0: Scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Peter chapter 2. hope you can find it in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. You can turn in that book and follow along as we read God's Word together. 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter writes, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. He condemned them to extinction by making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, which will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing, they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly they enticed by sensual passions of the flesh. Those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness. Then after knowing it, to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit. And the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, now on Father's Day, you might expect me to tell you, here's how to be a good father. Well, we're not going to do that. Because we're in 2 Peter and we're marching through this letter. And so I thought I would, instead of telling you how to become a good father, I would help you to become a heretic. So how many of you would like to become a heretic? Well, you may say, well, Ron, what depends on what a heretic is? That <laughs> might determine what I, if I want to be one or not. Because I was talking to someone the other day about being a heretic, heresy, and they had never heard that word before. And so I thought, well, maybe I should help define that word even today. Uh, Because you may be asking, well, what is a heretic? Well, a heretic is someone who deliberately teaches and believes a heresy. (laughs) Sounds like one of those vocabulary tests you take in school. You know, what is this? Well, it's whatever this does with this other thing that sounds just like it. You know, a heretic is someone who teaches a heresy. Okay, well, what does heresy mean? Well, originally, the word heresy meant a belief... Which one had personally chosen for oneself, and to which one by choice adhered to. So it was, you know, it's this is the way I'm going. This is what I believe. This is what I choose to believe. It was, it was the line of belief, the line of action I chose to walk down. However, in the New Testament, the word heresy uh, became or was, took on a different meaning, and it believed uh, it, it came to take on a meaning of someone who believes something contrary to the revelation of God in Christ and so with this meaning a heretic is someone who believes what he wants to believe instead of accepting the truth of God so that's what a heretic is someone who deliberately now believes and teaches something that is contrary to the word of God and notice that I said he or she deliberately teaches and believes this In other words, they've been exposed to the truth, they've been confronted with the truth, and they have deliberately chosen to reject that truth and teach something contrary to that truth. Because, you know, we've all held ideas about God that were not correct, right? You think about your Christian journey or even your spiritual journey. I mean, there were times in your life, I'm sure, and even today, there may be beliefs about God that are wrong that you hold to. But the difference between, hopefully, you and a heretic is that you are teachable, And that you're willing to submit those ideas about God and the world to what God's Word says. And so you're willing to change your beliefs based on what God's Word says. And so if you read something or you're taught something from God's Word that challenges your belief, you will be willing to submit your belief to what God's Word says. Whereas a heretic deliberately refuses to submit their belief to God's Word and continually teaches that which is contrary to God's Word. So... Now that I've defined what a heretic is, uh, I want to share with you how you can become one, how you can become a heretic, like the ones mentioned here in 2 Peter 2. So the first thing you need to do is you need to start attending church services. Just pick a church in town, start attending their services, and you need to start, just, just keep going to the church services, start blending in with those who are Christians, but don't get too close now Uh, Because you don't want them to see who you really are. But you want to get close enough where they think you are one of them. Second, you need to learn the lingo. Okay, You need to talk like those that know Jesus talk. So you need to become familiar with words like the gospel. Salvation, forgiveness, love, mercy, grace, God's word, fellowship, prayer, Bible study, interpretation. I mean, you need to become familiar with this lingo. So you can begin to use that lingo. So you need need to sound like you know the Bible. And you need to be able to be confident in what you say. So people may believe you. Now Peter tells us in verse 1, listen to what he says. He says, But false prophets arose among the people. In other words, he's saying in the Old Testament, you know, false prophets came on the scene and they were teaching things contrary to the message of God. Then he says, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. So what this tells me is, if you want to be a heretic, you need to fit in with the church. In other words, you don't need to come out and say, hey everybody, I'm a heretic. You know, that won't work. So you got to kind of blend in and kind of weave your teaching in more subtle ways and appeal to the people. And so, as you establish a good relationship with the church community, then you can actually take on several different types uh, of—you can be several different types of heretics. Okay, there's not just one. There's actually several types, brands, if you will, of false teachers and heretics you can actually choose from, and you maybe can choose from more than one. And I'm uh, gonna—I'm using some of the titles here for these different types uh, from an article I read by Tim Chalice. I entitled Seven False Teachers in the Church Today. So he he helped me out with some of these titles. I thought they were good. And so uh, let's look at some, several of these heretics. The first one um, that you can choose to be is called the charlatan. The charlatan is the person who uses Christianity as a means of personal enrichment. And so to be a charlatan, your motivation needs to be greed and not faithfulness to the Word of God. And Peter warns of this type of heretic in verse 3, when he writes, And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. And then in verse 14, he says, They have hearts trained in greed. And so the charlatan is the preacher who asks his listeners, or, his, or the teacher who asks his listeners to donate millions of dollars for a private jet, for example. You know, an article in the Washington Post about. Uh, televangelist Jesse Duplantis uh, quotes Duplantis as saying, you know, if Jesus were to descend from heaven and physically set foot on 21st century earth, the Redeemer would probably take a pass on riding on the back of a donkey. He'd be on an airplane preaching the gospel all over the world. And then the article goes on to say, and Duplantis thinks the light of the world wouldn't exactly settle for 30 inches of, of leg room and getting, padded, getting patted down by the TSA, why he would choose anything less than the Falcon 7X, a private jet that nears the sound barrier and also has noise-limiting acoustic technology, a Bluetooth-enabled entertainment center, and an optional in-flight shower. And then Duplantis says all he needs is $54 million. To help him efficiently spread the gospel to the world. And so he's asked the Lord and hundreds of thousands of hopefully deep pocketed followers across the world for just such a plane. So, you know, the charlatan is a popular type of heretic. And <clears throat> we have several of those even today. Uh, and has has been a popular form for centuries. So maybe that's the route you would like to go. That's one option. Second type of heretic you could pursue, we'll call the prophet. Now the prophet is someone who claims to be gifted by God to speak new revelation in addition to what is recorded in the scripture. And Peter warns of this type of heretic in verses 1, 13 and 19. He writes in verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, different doctrine, different teaching. Even denying the master who bought them. They are, in verse 13, they are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. In verse 19, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. You know, in the early church, there was a man named uh, Montanus or Montanius. Montanus. And Montanus believed that he was speaking a new revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Joseph Smith claimed to receive the Book of Mormon from the angel Moroni. And many other people use the phrase, you know, God told me. God told me this, God told me that in order to give authority to what they're saying And see, you deceive people when you claim that you're telling them or what you're telling them is from God when it's nowhere to be found in the Bible. That's the prophet. So you want to beware, Peter's saying here, you want to beware of writers and teachers, even today. Especially as you buy your Christian books and things like that, listen to Christian teachers Beware of writers and teachers that claim their words are the words of Jesus. Unless their words are quotations of the Bible. Now maybe the, the charlatan or the prophet's not your style. Don't worry, we have a few other ones you can choose from. You can be the tickler. The tickler is the heretic that cares nothing for what God wants, but is very concerned with what men and women want. The tickler is the people pleaser rather than the God pleaser. The tickler craves popularity and praise from the world which means that he only preaches what the people want to hear. He talks a lot about happiness in heaven but little about sin and hell. He talks about hope and healing but little about confession and repentance. And Peter tells us in verse 2, and many will follow their sensuality. You know, these These teachers will appeal to what makes people feel good, and many will follow their sensuality. And the church has had our fair share of ticklers. I mean, even today, there are preachers and teachers that preach to both large and small crowds with their positive stories, selective biblical content, and an empty gospel, offering freedom where there is no freedom. And these ticklers are like the false prophets in Jeremiah's day who preached peace, peace, when there was no peace. There's one more type of heretic that you could become that I wanted to mention, and we'll call him or her the abuser. And the abuser uses his or her position of leadership or influence to take advantage of other people. And we see this abuse as a concern of Peter in verses 2, 13, 14, and 18. Verse 2, he writes, And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. Verse 13, They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin, and they entice unsteady souls. Verse 18, For speaking loud boast of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. So the abuser uses people to feed his or her lusts. And tragically, I mean, it doesn't take uh, much of a memory to think back over the history of the church and even in today's time and realize that there have been many abusers in the church, these types of leaders that have been found guilty of sexual sin with men, women, and children. And they have been found guilty of using their power to harm people instead of building them up in the Lord. So what we see is heretics can be in many different shapes and forms and teachings. Uh, And Peter wants us to see that these heretics, they're not just out there somewhere, but they come from within. He says, just as the false prophets came up through Israel, so in the church, these folks will come up within you. You know, initially they look like us. They talk like us. They even worship with us and serve with us. And the two main problems with heretics, Peter says, is they preach a false gospel. Okay? So, peace, peace. Where there is no peace, they offer freedom when all they're doing is bringing you into slavery, to sin. So they preach a false gospel and they hurt the reputation of the church. They do not only hurt the individuals, but they hurt the church as a whole to the watching world, its reputation. So... If you want to be a heretic, there's plenty of ways for you to do it. But, what if you want to remain faithful to the Word of God? How do you avoid becoming a heretic? And what should you do if you encounter one? Well, I want to give you uh, some, some pointers here. First, you need to be able to spot them. So how do you spot them? Well, I'm going to lean on again uh, MacArthur and and Chalice from his article. he, He writes this article about five tests, which I think are helpful. Five tests that you can use to spot a heresy. First of all, the first test is a test of origin. In other words, is what they're teaching coming from God or coming from someone else or somewhere else? Does this teaching originate with the Creator or the creation? Is it from the mind of God or is it from the mind of man? You know, Paul said this in Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 and 12. He's writing them. and he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So you need to ask yourself the question, where did, where did this teaching originate? Where is it coming from? And then the second test you need to apply to it is the test of authority. You know, true teaching grounds this authority within the Bible. So you should be able to trace it back to the scripture and see where they're coming from. This is why I say when the choir comes down, the instrumentalist is playing, that's the time for you to open your Bible. Because you need to be listening to what I'm saying and reading the Bible and saying, you know, is Ron telling me the truth? Because only God's Word is without error and infallible and will not fail you. It's from God. And so you need to know your Bible. and You need to make sure I'm steering you straight and anybody else you're listening to is steering you straight. Where does it originate? Does it originate from God? Well, how do I know if it originates from God? Well, it's going to find its roots in the Bible. It's going to come from the Bible. And you should be able to see that. So we need to... Know the Bible, whereas false teaching finds its authority outside the Bible. So we need to be like the Bereans in Acts seventeen eleven. I love this. You know, Paul's preaching and uh, it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. Examining the scriptures daily to see if, they, if these things were so. So they were listening to teaching and then they were running, running it through the filter of God's word. I love that. Are these things so? Let me listen, take it in, run it through the filter of Scripture and see if these things are in fact so. In order to do that, we need to know our Bibles. And so we need to ask, does this teaching come from the Bible? Third thing we need to ask, uh, third test is the test of consistency. You know, true teaching is consistent with the whole of Scripture. And false teaching is inconsistent with some parts of Scripture. You know, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 3, and 4, he says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. So our beliefs need to be informed by the whole of Scripture. There's a saying that we should let Scripture interpret other Scripture. So if we're holding a belief, we want it to be rooted in the whole of Scripture, not just one passage or one word. We want to make sure it's consistent with the whole teaching of the Scripture. The fourth test is the test of spiritual growth. True teaching leads to spiritual growth, whereas false teaching leads to spiritual weakness. 1 Timothy 4.6 If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, of Christ Jesus, being nourished in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. You know, sound doctrine, teaching that's from the Lord, helps us become mature, healthy, and knowledgeable Christians. And not only that, the fifth test is the test of godly living Is this teaching producing Christ likeness in my life? or in their lives. True teaching should produce godly living, whereas false teaching leads to ungodly living. Earlier in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. So belief that is founded upon the true teaching of God's Word should result in if adhered to and believed, should result in increasing godliness. So you can ask yourself, is this teaching making me more like Jesus or not? So these are, these are five helpful tests that can help you from becoming a heretic and also help you spot a heretic. And Chalice sums up his article when he says, true doctrine originates from God, comes from the Bible, and agrees with the whole of Scripture. And because such doctrine is sound, it is healthy and profitable for us, and we are responsible for holding it. So we need to be able to spot a heretic. But also, if you discover someone who is teaching something contrary to God's Word, the second thing you need to do is confront that person within your church. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells us how to do that. So if you are exposed to someone who is teaching something contrary to the Bible... You need to go to that person and talk to them about that. Confront that teaching. And if they're unwilling to repent and stop that false teaching, then you need to bring another Christian from your church with you to that person. And have that conversation. Ask them to stop teaching that which is contrary to Scripture. And if they still refuse to change their mind and teach that, that false teaching, then you bring it before the church as a whole. And as a church, you try to get the person to change his or her tune and, and line up with the scripture. And if he's unwilling to do that, then Jesus says we treat them as a tax collector or we treat them as someone who doesn't know Christ. In other words, an outsider. Therefore, what I, I believe that means is we need to remove their platform. So if they are on staff or a Sunday school teacher or leading a Bible study and they're teaching false teaching, then we need to remove them from that position. And say you cannot hold that position or any type of leadership position within the church until you repent from teaching the false teaching and reform, and then we'll seek to restore you into fellowship. So you need to be able to spot the teaching that is false. And if it's within your church, you need to be able to confront that teaching. And then thirdly, Peter wants us to know, and you have you you heard me read that long passage in chapter 2, Peter wants us to know that even though heretics exist, they have existed, they do exist, they will exist, Peter te- is telling them, I told you they're coming. Jesus said they're coming. And they are coming. They're here and they will come. And Peter wants us to know while they exist, God is both able to, listen to this, Preserve the righteous and condemn the unrighteous. And Peter's pretty strong about this in this passage. In verses 3-9, through Peter shares three examples of how God deals with those who follow Him and how He deals with those who reject Him. The first example is in verses 3 and 4. Peter writes, "...their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep." For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept into the judgment. His point is, you know, if God's going to judge angels when they sin, you need to understand He's going to judge mankind when they sin. In other words, you're not going to escape the judgment. Look what He did to the angels. And He will do the same to us if we choose to reject Him and go our own way rather than give ourselves to Him through faith in Christ. Second example is verses 5 and 9. Peter writes, If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment the day of judgment. So what we see is that God has demonstrated that he hates sin. He hates sin, and He will bring it to an end. And in Noah's day, God destroyed the unrighteous by bringing a flood, and He preserved the righteous through the ark. Now today, we know God will destroy those who will reject Him. I mean, they will be separated from God. So if you don't want to be with God, God will not make you be with Him. You will be separated from Him forever. But, If you want to be with God, He's made it possible for you to do so, and that is through faith in Christ. Christ is the ark, so to speak. And as you enter Him, you are safe. A third example Peter gives is found in verses 6-9. through He says, If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, He condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if He rescued righteous Lot... Greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as the righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of ungodliness, and yet Lot was rescued from these cities before the destruction. Why? Why? Because he followed God's direction. God said, this is the way out. Don't look back. And Lot chose to go that way. And he was saved. And so today, same thing. If you don't want to get out of the city, God's not going to make you. But he gives you a way out, and it's Christ. And he said, this is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Do you want to go that way? Don't look back. Place your faith in Christ and Him alone. And you will be saved. Now you may be saying, Well, Ron, that's kind of weighty. This is a weighty message on Father's Day. You know, thank you very much. Uh, you may be saying, Peter, Peter, you are you are very harsh here in this passage. I mean, you started out talking about the inspiration of Scripture, and then, yes, heretics will come in, and then you lower the boom with all this judgment talk, and that's heavy, that's heavy. But I want you to get the context here, because remember. Do you remember when Jesus denied that he knew Jesus after he was arrested? He denied Jesus three times. Do you remember that? When he was arrested. And then Jesus dies. The cock crows. You know, Peter goes off and he realizes what he had done. And he is just gripped with sorrow over his sin. Jesus dies. He was buried. He rises again. He appears to Peter. And do you remember the conversation they had? you remember what he asked Peter three times? On the third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Why is Peter so angered? By these false teachers. Because Jesus put a call on his life. Peter, you are to feed my sheep. You are to tell them the truth about me. And so when Peter hears that these false teachers are moving into the church, perverting the the revelation of God, the truth about God, and even denying the master who bought them, how do you think Peter feels about that? So he fires off that letter. And he sends it to the churches. And he tells them, You've got to beware of these people. They are leading you down a path that leads to destruction. And so you see, when this letter was written, Jesus' sheep were being fed poisonous food. And Peter wants to combat that false teaching. So let me ask you this What kind of teaching are you digesting? What, what kind of teaching are you, are you taking in? Are you being you know, fed by the Word of God? Or are you being poisoned by heresy? And can you tell the difference? Now, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if we want to know God, if we want to know God and we want God to preserve us for eternity, then our belief must be in Jesus. And if our belief must be in Jesus, then our belief must be informed and grounded in the Word of God. Nothing more, nothing less. Let us pray. Father, that is our desire this morning. None of us in here, I believe, wants to believe a lie. Lord, help us to discern what is true and what is false. Help us to be students of Your Word so that we know the difference. Help us not to be led away by our own desires that come from our nature that is contrary to You, that wants to seek a life contrary to You. Lord, we confess that we often give in to that. And we just ask, Lord, You would strengthen us by Your Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. May we be like the Bereans. Listen to teaching. Be hungry. Be teachable. Be learners but then filter it all through Your Word and ask, are these things so? Lord, we want to be people that are grounded in Your truth and that seek to live out Your truth so that people can get an accurate view and understanding of who Jesus is so that we may not and they may not deny the very Master that bought them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.